0: Smiley, I had sex Smiley, oh yeah I had sex with Kira and Dax Smiley, oh yeah I have a strange drawing to get a goatee Smiley, oh yeah It's time Smiley for rules Smiley of Acquisition Smiley 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 Smiley.
1: Hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. As you know, probably uh, with me as always is James Nolan.
2: Hey guys.
1: And Hugh Crawford. Hello, how we doing? I'm doing quite alright. And who are you? Oh, my name. My <laughs> name is Wade Bowen. I am also on this podcast and we're talking about Deep Space Nine, the greatest show it's the greatest, isn't it? Your favorite episodes.
3: Yeah. This uh this week's episode is uh episode 19 of season 3. It's titled Through the Looking Glass and the IMDb description is as follows. Cisco is kidnapped to impersonate his deceased mirror universe self to gain Jennifer Cisco's loyalty in the Rebel Alliance. And um that's that's pretty much it. This is uh, this is the second Mirror Universe episode that we've had on Deep Space 9. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I feel like this is the one this is the
1: This is the one that sold it for you, right? Am I right?
3: I got to I got <laughs> to tell you. I'm I, I hate the Mirror Universe. If you're a long-time listener <laughs> to this podcast, I know. I yeah. hate I hate li- yeah. This is for new folks. If you're new to this podcast, I personally hate anything that that bogs Deep Space 9 down into old fan service. This particular episode it works for me a little bit. I think oh, really? that did We both like yeah, a little bit.
2: We both like this episode? We have not We have both liked yes. an episode
3: together in a long time. I <laughs> I would well, well I you're blowing my... I liked this episode more than I hated it. <laughs> okay, cuz
1: yes. cuz I was like I knew I know how you guys felt about the last crossover. Right. And that was a mirror universe episode, and I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm building myself up. I'm getting psyched to bear for this. You're ready to do battle." Yeah. Well, here's the thing: because I feel it like did the first. Work.
3: I feel like this episode is an emission of guilt for how bad the first one mm-hmm. is. Like they knew they fucked that first one up, and they're like, "Let's just just give us one more run at it, and we'll get it right the second time." And what they do is they actually give a little bit of emotional stakes with Cisco and his dead wife. Mm-hmm. Like that's an interesting thing. Yeah. So I feel like the second run at it was more successful on a few different levels. Now I still think it is a failure huh. as a oh here we go concept <laughs> here we go <laughs> as a I feel like it's a failure as a concept if you're trying to do an overarching yeah. story this is a you know a side path that you that we didn't need to take at it all it still
2: has the mirror universe problems that we complained about in the last episode which yeah. is like oh look this is Jennifer with Cisco's wife well she's my wife too in my life like all of these like that well that's a coincidence yeah well you
1: you nerd corner problems with the last episode are going to remain. Sorry. Yes, to, they
2: do not get Yes, So we're not going to, I mean, I'm not going to harp on them because I've already harped on them. But yes. yeah. Well, wait You're, a minute. I, I have a Nerd Corner problem. Your
1: problems with the whole concept of the mirror universe yes. are not fixed. No, The mirror universe is still a thing that exists that you don't agree with. It's the, still a, it is the, still. With the logic and rationale of. It is
2: still a buffet of coincidences that is. Yeah,
1: that, that you just got to accept or get over
2: Exactly, and I am in this review. I said, Sorry. I just said I like this episode. Okay,
3: now here's my problem. Here's another problem I have. There is some um, social
2: ickiness in this. Oh, because he fucks two of the cast members.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, oh, I was going to save that, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, no, I was going to talk about.
2: No,
3: that's like lower on my crimes and misdemeanors. <laughs> that that is lower on my. Okay, but that was I. Okay, we'll get in we'll unpack that in a second. Yeah, we'll right get oh, we'll have bat, a
1: lot when we get to that in the episode.
3: There are Kira Norris is bisexual in the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the bisexuality is represented not as a totally normal healthy thing, but as a characteristic of a dark personality. And it is an unfortunate thing for a TV show to promote yeah it, it, like bisexuality as a sign of, of
1: moral uh, decrepitude right right yeah, yeah.
3: so that's a problem yeah
1: I, that, I have, and the
3: ownership of black bodies in this episode
1: yeah.
3: is yeah. That was, all that was in the
1: last so, episode oh, too. that was uh, yes yeah well this episode is all about Cisco is a badass that's what they're selling yeah and but that's what cool. makes Kira it oh, hold
2: on hold on let's take Kira
3: Norris in that first scene yeah. she's got some arm candy oh yeah
1: oh that's what I'm Saying, but Kira, I thought Kira was well served in the original crossover mirror episode where she's dealing with herself. But in this, she's just a black hat, and yes, yeah. there's nothing it's pretty nuanced about her. Mirror universe character. And at let's
2: all. say that let's admit it. Like Nana Visitor probably did a better job in the last episode than she does here. I mean, uh, they, 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 I, the, the, the character is written as such a Nero esque character that
1: it... I think she does a good job in that this final one. scene. I
3: think that the final scene where she knows that he's not bluffing is her acting is tell, doing a good job. I think.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you. So I think she's fantastic hmm. in this. Oh. Like she's oh, wait. she's two in scenery oh, oh. but like I think she's the writing is where she, her character falls apart.
2: I'm gonna the writing for this episode. I've got all kinds of like okay. let, I want to quarantine that later. But let's stay on the but yes. let's stay on the bisexual stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her character is nuanced in the first mirror episode and this one she's just a black hat. I agree. I agree. But I think she's enjoying playing this character so much that it was um, I enjoyed how much the actor was enjoying playing that character. I feel like the writers were just not doing what they did in the last time. with her,
3: uh-huh. but. Is there some generic rebel dialogue in this? Yeah. And platitudes and oh, hold cliches. Hold on, hold on. I want
2: like, that, to that's, that's,
3: that's my... give a, real, a a rare compliment for myself, and then I'll let you <laughs> up the floor. <laughs> let him talk. Here, not for myself, but I'm going to dispense a compliment to somebody I don't usually compliment. Call me delivers some of the worst dialogue in the best possible way an actor can (laughs) in this episode that blew me away at times. Like he is saying some Star Wars prequel level stuff, Mm -hmm. but selling it on a level and giving it like a, a subtle quality and like really humanizing it in a way that. Like where he says, I think he actually says the line, the Rebel Alliance needs you to Cisco at the (laughs) beginning. And I'm like, that is such an awful generic line, but he actually delivered it where I'm not, you know, grossed out by it.
2: He's got an actor's, like a truly cultivated actor's way of... Knowing that he has a voice, so he's not trying to adopt someone else's voice, which is the problem with Bashir. He knows that (laughs) he knows that I'm waiting for this. (laughs) I'm Colomini, and I'm you know, this guy, I'm a certain type of guy. I've got this accent, I'm very soft spoken. I look like a man who's soft spoken. So, I think that there is this way that he can, like, you know, most blokes are jamming out on nine, and when they want to go louder, they go to 10. He's like that, he's he knows how to level set at a four or a five yeah. so that when he's given these stinkers of just lines that iris Stephen bear coughs up constantly (laughs) as i mean he is a he is a cliche machine other outside of a lot of other things that i gotta say about iris Stephen bear (laughs) but he there is a lot of like just almost perfunctorily like the the least of his problems is is that he just he spits out a ridiculous amount of cliches in his in his scripts
1: well i guess we're through the looking glass.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. And that's kind
1: of which they said at the end of the last crossover episode, but this is it's like, oh, title of the episode. Okay. Yeah.
2: So that is fine. I mean, but he knows how to sort of give it a six when like another actor would want to punch it at a 10. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you that's nev- what makes it seem so overacted where he keeps everything naturalized and grounded and in, in his own body and in his own way. And it's it's what you need in an episode with Bashir Pirate and <laughs> Dax Pirate and Sex Dax oh. and Sex Dax Pirate and oh, like Oh oh,
1: oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I liked Sex Dax in this, but not, okay. But
2: she, her hair
1: was was
3: work, work. her hair on this was like on yeah, point. Yeah, it was working. It was working. Was,
1: oh, her hair. That's why I was, I, know, I made a note of that myself. Like Dax's hair is fine, but whenever she's in a one off episode where she's in another era or playing a different character, her hair is like you said is amazing and on point.
2: I think it's because they're trying to make her purposely look un. Sexy, Because she's an officious science lady. When I think that, like, that's like let your hair down kind of thing.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say she was meant to look unsexy in this, but I thought this oh, was... Oh, God, the- no. God, yeah, no, no, like, no, no. come this on, was, man.
2: She comes in, the first thing she does is like make out with Cisco. Like, it's no, that
1: yeah, but was I thought sexual. she was great. I thought she was but, this well, is whenever I, t- I thought she was fine in this.
2: No, I'm not, no, she's fine. I'm not critiquing her.
1: I thought she was good um, in it, actually, but
2: okay, you're, you're a little sensitive about defending her honor. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to white knight this thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying it, those
2: scenes with Tuvok and yeah, all of Tuvok. Those, those were what you would call heightened performance scenes. And I think a Colmini presence keeps those bearable for for a viewer who doesn't like a bunch of people acting on 10. Yeah. And I think that 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 was nice to come down with. And you already got Cisco, like Avery Brooks, he wants to go to 10 all the time. So, like, <laughs> yeah. But all anyway, right. back to the bisexual. Oh, before no, we get too no, far removed. No. There's some
3: subtle stuff. Cisco's great.
2: Before all we right. get too removed from it, I want to talk. Because I I, like, I felt like I was trying to talk about the bisexual here. Oh, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and
1: then we can go into the episode and break it down.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the all bisexual, right. I. Do you think that she is like. I mean, obviously, bisexual is as bisexual does if you sleep with women. But, like, I don't think that she. If she Now, if she was I know using you're, moder- getting, you're getting into a sticky wicket about <laughs> the nature of this character's
3: sexuality. Yeah, because I think is that it? she's because just
2: a – I think that they're writing her as a libertine. I don't think that
1: – Yeah.
3: right. And I think we've said this before. I think you've actually had – we've actually had this exact conversation previously. Yeah. That's not my point. My point – that's a moot point, whether how their intent is to make it look like something a nefarious person would do. Right. And that not like a just normal – Where
2: gayness is a part of the villain – right well right or the queerness is a part of the villain like starter kit yeah and that's a that's a problem well
1: i think i brought it up last episode when she's hitting on herself in the crossover season two episode or whatever i don't even feel like she's fully like identified as bisexual she like wants to fuck herself but that's a whole kind of different yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: that, like, that was what was intriguing to me about it. And they didn't touch on it here, but they do to touch on it. And was, this
1: one, it was just like full, like, oh, you're a beautiful and so are you, woman. I'm an evil bo- bisexual. The
2: bodies like, of black men. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, and well, and it wasn't the woman uh, a woman of color, yeah, too?
0: Yeah, she was.
3: So it's like that's, you're getting into some imagery yes. there so, that's... Yes.
2: Yeah, some, some play with uh, dare I say like Mandinko type imagery that's really problematic. Well, yeah, and the one of the things that I uh, like, where what I liken it to, something recent. I'm watching the, I'm about to be done, but I'm watching Iron Fist, like the Netflix Marvel show. Oh boy, and there's a scene in there where uh, <laughs> by the time the, we're really oh so charismatic. It. No, I'm just like the oh so charismatic Iron Fist is. In a fight with a woman who's probably who's not his equal, but you know, like that is matched. She knows martial arts too. Yeah, <laughs> and so he sort of gets the handle on her, and she's a bad guy. And he pushes her arm back, and he pushes her over a table. And that was all fine until the camera shot it from across the table where he is standing while she's like dominated, bent over a table, and he's standing behind her. And I'm like, why would they use that shot? That is so. Signaling, even though that's not their intent, that is so signaling that I don't know why you would get into that sort of arena. And I d- definitely think with with her sort of gayness, I think that they're playing with a negative imagery of it. Whether I don't think they meant to or not,
1: right? I think they. Probably saw it as like, "Hey, this is just—we're having so much fun with these characters. She's a bad guy. She's so unrepressed and crazy.
2: Yeah, because she's so up. I mean, I don't want to call her uptight, but she's an uptight character. That's you know. Yeah,
1: her regular universe character is kind of yeah. Her prime Mm. (laughs) character, if we will, is uptight and kind of repressed, and then this one is a libertine. Yeah, which is a fun thing, you know, when Dax works. In the regular timeline, she, she works because she's a libertine and fun, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I agree. This does, is not the same thing. No.
2: No. And I, so I, I generally, I mean, yeah, I just think the character was more poorly represented in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that the problem, things that are problematic become more clear because of shittiness. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: like, yeah. She's just a black so. hat in this. And yeah. That's yeah. It. And I thought Nana Visitor was clearly really enjoying playing the role. And it was fun for me, but I don't think it was as good as the last time because it was a little bit. You know, she, she, she was. Yeah, it was a little bit scenery chewing. Yeah,
2: tidbitty, uh tidbit. As uh, she actually hated being in those pants. Oh, I bet because they're actually because. Was she wearing a cup in some of those low shots? Yeah. It like she,
1: yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want <laughs> but, camel toes out. There. They're
2: rubber. They're rubber and unbreathable. But here's the thing: that it's stained when wet.
1: Oh my god. So oh my god. So she
2: couldn't get. Yeah, I know. So she had to spend like every off time in the middle in the fan. Oh
1: my god. It was, yeah, like, that's weird. bad. And
2: like, I get the feeling like like poor Nana is like. And I know that she has, she suffers from claustrophobia. So I, I do feel bad yeah. for her. Yeah, that, a lot
1: that of this couldn't stuff. have been easy to put on that costume. Nope. I feel like you yeah. ho- hook up a vacuum hose to suck it on after you get the fabric on or something.
2: Never has a costumer ever treated an actress so poorly. Just in general, uh, as Nana visitor in this show. And I feel, yeah, you know, I mean, and this was more circumstantial than how she looked. It was just yeah, yeah. circumstantially bad. But, yeah, yeah. Well,
3: yes. I think we um, I, I, I we had a lot to get off our chest, Ref. I yeah. mean, I felt like I did I had <laughs> sure. a lot to get off my yeah, chest. Yeah. Uh, Cole Meany, I'm coming around to him as an actor yeah. and his choices, particularly and the representation and sexuality and this uh, there's some there's some stuff to ticky in here yeah, but yeah. the actual nuts and bolts of this of this episode right off the bat we found out something interesting about Morn's anatomy yes. right
1: oh yeah he has he's got 27 voles, and him and quirk have been setting up some dog fights some michael Vick stuff mm-hmm. I'm just what but it's <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> morn's essentially the michael Vick of, of <laughs> oh, deep space that's got that. a dark
2: heart he's got a dark heart
3: don't say that
1: but <laughs> Anyways, like Cisco well, I mean, is like, you can't.
3: You we're not supposed to mention the most famous dogfighter in, in like American sports history. Yeah. Well,
1: I brought it up, but I'm just saying that fuck Michael Vick. I love Morn. Uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah. I just meant it to bring it up. Anyways, they're going to take his 27 voles away and it's going to break Morn's hearts. Is what yes. Quark says. Right. Right.
2: So he's a doctor. He's a, yeah. he's, a he's a Doctor Who. No.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Well, he might have more than two. That's yeah, true. They just they, they do keep it as
2: indefinitely plural. He doesn't
1: strike me as a time lord. He could have five <laughs> hearts. I mean Klingons yeah. have two hearts, I think. They've got two of everything.
2: And green blood, but not green skin.
1: Yeah. It's purple blood. Purple, that's right.
2: What? Vulcans have green blood, motherfucker. Yeah, vul- that's what I said. Oh, no, you said Klingons.
1: We're
3: talking about Klingons.
1: Klingons.
2: Oh, I meant. Falcons, you're right.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm in yeah, Falcons.
1: G- so. Undiscovered country, man. That's purple blood. That's all I know. That's purple blood.
2: No, I know. I'm that's like the
3: first CGI stuff I've seen <laughs> in the big screen yeah, as a yeah, kid. And too. I remember me that too. purple blood CGI and I was like, Oh my god, that looks amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now now it looks like
3: i don't know uh, tron or I, was <laughs> right.
2: about, I was trying to talk about what the water monster the abyss looked like to allison and then we watched it and i was like oh yeah <laughs> it was really impressive at the time <laughs> <laughs> right right
0: but it totally
1: anyways was. they don't waste any time on this episode they jump straight after the 27 voles gonna break Morn's heart poor Morn, this is gonna break his heart. Then uh, Colomini jumps into Ops in a weird costume, and Cisco's like, "Oh, are you going somewhere? Cause you're out of your civ- you're in your civvies, and he's not in the blue kimono. But then the guy he pulls a Bajoran phaser and then just... He's not in
3: a blue kimono. Yes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's how you should have known right off the bat it wasn't that version of Merle, right? Yeah, Brian. right? Like,
1: ah, that doesn't look like the Sippies I've seen him before. Now, that would have
3: been great, is, like, the moment he realizes he's in trouble, O'Bri- the real O'Brien goes through, like, arrives in a turbo lift in his blue kimono, <laughs> right. and they look at the one with the phaser, and then there's one... Yeah, that would have been deeply satisfying. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But they immediately get onto the transporter... I guess there's always been a transporter on Ops, but they always use the turbo lift, so it was new to me. But mm. anyways, and then they go straight to, like, the mirror universe. and
2: Yeah, he puts, like, a little alternator on a machine, and it makes him yeah,
1: yeah. teleport to the... Then we get to, like, this... I mean, I felt like this episode was all just showcasing what a badass Cisco is, because as soon as he gets there... Pretty much. uh, He punches Smiley and says, like, Where, what's going on? And And Smiley says, oh, well, I'm not taking you back, and he's like, oh... And Cisco immediately knows they're in the mirror universe and knows everything. It's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. smarter than I thought. Yeah. And then we jump to the five minute intro. Bashir
3: is, is Mr. Bashir. He's not a dog. He's not a physician. No, yeah. <laughs> he's a pirate.
2: He wasn't afforded his uh, education. Did
3: we ever find out why they're called Terrans? I don't understand why they're not called
1: humans. No, that's a or real. Just, that's
2: a real term. Yeah, that's. A, I understand that, but no. why is that a term?
1: I, Isn't I, I that mean,
2: the general Star Trek term?
1: Yeah, in general, like humans? even going back to the. Original Mirror Mirror episode, they call it the Terran Empire, right? Yeah, so,
3: they do. But why? I, mean, I guess that bu- that bugs me. Like, what's? I guess Terran is inherently more evil
1: sounding.
2: Well, well I, all, mean, I mean, it's I, been I, like I, a
1: sci- f- science fiction trope since like forever. They just call them Terrans when they're dealing with other aliens. I feel like that's pretty standard. Well,
2: I think it's because we call ourselves humans because it's self possessive, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not indicative of the planet. So Klingons come. Well, Klingons don't come from Klingon, but they come. But Vulcans come from Vulcan. And and Romulans come from Romulus. Romulus. So Terrans come from Terra, I guess would be. I don't know. We have to abandon Earth. I've actually thought about this for a long time because of other reasons. Like, is Earth a a proper name or a casual name? Well, it's both.
1: Depending on, like, if you're talking about dirt, it's common, but Earth is.
2: Okay, so if you were going to write a book in an alternative, Universe or on a different planet that would you could you talk about Earth?
1: the dirt as Earth, but the planet would have to be something else, yeah. The, so, I mean, when it's a the planet, like, it's a proper name, yeah,
2: yeah. So, it's like it's really vague. Mm-hmm. And so, I sci fi writers get get out of it just by calling it Terra, I yeah,
1: guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so. fairly common they call it Terra in science fiction, especially kind of hard sci fi, which I
2: and I do think it was probably just in the soup that Roddenberry was. Swimming in in the 60s, so
1: right, right, and
2: we're beholden to it to this to day. day. He said he set, he set up this motherfucker. We yeah. have to. So,
1: <laughs> so Cisco catches on real fast, and he's like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" And he's like, uh, you know, like Kirk and even other captains are like, "Oh well, I'm in this play. I'm in this mirror universe. I'm gonna fuck around for a bit." But Cisco is has been briefed, I guess, and he's like, "Nope, I'm not gonna interfere with anything." Until Smiley, who says, call me Smiley, not O'Brien later on, because that's what the old Cisco used to say anyways, until Smiley says, oh, we have to save Jennifer and we get into Cisco's dead wife and... I think there's, you know, I'll give Avery Brooks some props. Like whenever they he talks about Jennifer, he's he talks in a soft voice. Oh come on! I think no, I I
2: think okay. Let's 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 not belittle this. He actually nails his affection (laughs) and 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 the way he addresses Jennifer. (laughs) I can't believe
3: it. He's he's so far, his choices throughout this episode are so far and above almost everybody around him, except for whenever he's with O'Brien. And it's no accident that he's paired up with O'Brien for the most of this episode, because that's what makes it the most watchable. But, like, I don't understand your... Your problems with Avery oh. Brooks' performance in this oh,
1: episode. No, no! did you not hear when it's? Oh, I'm saying he was doing. That was a that was a loaded, backhanded compliment. <laughs> I didn't mean it for y'all. Are just primed to jump at me this time. I meant I meant it as a compliment this time. I mean,
2: he talked softly. No, it was that he 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 went intense with like like full um, like it was, and that was the only time. And I, I know, gonna...
1: every time he talks to Jennifer or about Jennifer, he switches octaves. Mm-hmm. Into a higher octave in a softer voice. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's actually and it well almost played. gives you.
2: It almost gives you a feeling that there is a. And I don't want to get too whatever, but it almost gives you a, a feeling that when Cisco, the buoyant, jubilant Cisco, is fake or a facade that he like does for the troops. Got to keep the troops, in it, you know. And that there is a sort of just sort of placidly mournful man in the middle there.
1: Oh, oh, uh, yeah. I thought like uh, I thought this episode did a great job. I mean, I think probably for you guys too, as much as y'all hate the Mirror Universe, I think maybe your like for this episode deals with how it deals with Cisco's grief over his wife. Is that that wrong? I think, because we haven't had to deal with that we, we had that second side episode in season 2 which fucking sucked. Yeah. And we've had like one scene Yeah, this
3: is a, a much more interesting way to like have Jennifer back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we've had one scene with him and Jake where it's pretty good, but that's all we've had to deal with his dead wife. And
2: I think maybe before his yeah. whole
1: softness for her in this whole episode I think is pretty pretty good for the character.
2: Yeah, and I think that it's so good. Oh god, I'm such a dick.
1: <laughs> it's so
2: good that you can see how it could have been the best scene in Deep Space Nine history, and it, they don't that that's where like you it's it's like that it could have been a little bit more if they had spent. Oh, wait a well, minute,
3: you're making the case that I'm I'm confused about the case that you're making about which scene that
2: the setup that the that the table was set to really knock out an amazing scene. Oh, and he's and like, it would have been so much easier if
1: he were like, "Fuck you, I need out of here now." Yes, and then when Smiley says Jennifer that he switches.
2: No, 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 no. I mean, the scene with Jennifer.
1: Okay.
2: The first one? No, the one where they're in the locked room, where he calls her uh, and he put her in there, and they had that long conversation. Right. And they stick on it. And it is for for a show like this, where the scenes are usually under a minute or a minute and two minutes. That was a long scene. Yeah, it had stages and parts, so they they spent time on it. I'm not like I'm going to shit on him later, but that that that's only half there. But if they had spent more time developing an inner life for Cisco. And maybe like regret, not just like like the way they set it up. His wife died tragically while he was being noble. But if there was some regret, not regret that she died, but that he put her there, or there's something that really burns. Maybe at him, that that scene with her, they could both be unpacking. So
1: you're talking about the how many both, times? Did, how many times did you watch this episode? I just want uh, to ask. Once and a half. Okay.
2: The speed watch.
1: I mean, I don't know. That that's really neither here nor there. Like. So, you, are you saying that they should have developed that more in the writing? Because I'm like, okay. I think Cisco. I think Avery Brooks I'm is not, like acting is like the second time I watched it. Especially, I was like, man, he's. I mean, he's bought in. Like he's. I'm I impressed. Think with him. Maybe
2: you're missing my critique. I'm saying from a from a construction writing from a construction. Yeah, that's what I'm at. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. That, for, that
2: the scene could have been if Cisco was a better developed character, but from the writers from this point. Uh, I'm
3: picking up with you but you that yeah,
2: yeah. you could have had Already, some idea that Cisco maybe blames himself for Jennifer's death—that's never been addressed.
3: No, yeah, yeah. We were in the weeds when all yeah. that. no. I think he blames he, Picard. Yeah, I think, yeah, he uh, <laughs> blames Picard. And
2: like, but if he had blamed himself or he had done something like that, that talking to this to this Jennifer, the mirror Jennifer, could have been cathartic for him. While her talking to him, the non shitty Cisco, could have been a catharsis for her. And that instead, it was more of him just convincing her that he's awesome. And, yeah. I and, saw,
1: I mean, especially in that last scene of the episode, mm-hmm. I felt like Avery Brooks is doing the work for that catharsis pretty hard. And yeah. convincingly, I think... But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it could have probably... Equally, they're not
2: equally yoked in, in, as, as actors, but... Yeah. yeah um, but, I mean, I'm just saying that <laughs> it's in,
1: in comparison, I think he's doing better work than the writing is, even yeah, in some oh, ways. yeah ways. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, because he's just trying to convince her, and I think they wrote that the point of the scene should be that he's trying to convince her. But, I don't know. Or, I, I don't know. My, my parents are still alive. I haven't lost anybody. But I can imagine that there's people in your life, like the field of dreams, there's people in the life you just want one more conversation with. Yeah. And he gets that. And I think, I don't know if like, it, do you, if you were just casually viewing that, did, did that come across?
1: I mean, I think I mean, it did to me, I think it did to me, especially maybe, I don't know, I watched, but I think it's more from. The acting. I mean, and I've been the guy that's kind of like, Not as been as impressed with Avery Brooks as you guys have, Mm -hmm. but I I think it comes across more from Avery Brooks's performance than it does from the writing.
2: Yes, yes, I agree with you, and I think that that even that emotion that having that one more conversation, one more day, (laughs) Spider Man. Um,
1: I mean, it's kind of well. I mean, I was gonna bring it up at the end, and it feels a if if anything in the writing is kind of contributes to that, it's that it's almost it's kind of frustrating too in the writing, and it just feels like because they tried to pack so much in this episode they get right to the mirror universe and then at the then at the end you have this catharsis from cisco from having a good moment with jennifer again they don't even show him get back to his own universe he just says take me home smiley and And that's that's and the one argument for the writing is like oh we don't want to show him get back because the important thing is dealing with cisco not being and getting yes, it's dealing with Cisco's emotion is a bigger thing than the plot of how he gets back because he just they rub a thing on the transporter and he goes back.
2: And if you really want to sort of stab it in the gut, maybe having a scene with him and Jake after having met.
1: Oh, God. yeah, Yeah. yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah. But so,
2: I mean, like, well, I think
3: that, that the line producers not, aren't going
1: to support that. That actually shows that
3: they have a little bit of taste, and they're not just trying to milk. It wasn't some cheesy,
1: yeah. It, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, cheesy sentimentality. But
2: out I'm of not it. saying that. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he had to talk about I saw your mom, and it was like it didn't have to be maudlin. But just the idea that he's got to go back to his life. I guess that I'm saying that like it would yeah. have been nice they if couldn't they afford were it. unpacking multiple... I don't yeah. want to compare... I, this is a dumb comparison. I'm just going to start that up. It is not fair. But <laughs> it could have been a scene comparable to the scene in The Master between <laughs> Seymour <more laughs> Hoffman oh, and... Yeah. d uh,
1: 9, just like The Master.
2: But that scene... Because we a, don't
1: know what the fuck is talking about,
2: <laughs> but you know they're unpacking shit. And if you watch it a couple of times, you get this
1: sort of. Wait, but like you're gonna yeah. have to say which scene in the master again? Because all those scenes the are
2: the scene, the the scene, the scene where they first he audits River. Re- the, the centerpiece
3: Phoenix. of the movie. Yeah, the, the, okay. the, the, right. the
2: scene where he audits Walking right. Phoenix on the boat. Okay, and he farts, right? Yeah, farts. Yes, the farting is great in But like, how much shit is worked out through that scene? And I don't want to like. Obviously this is dumb and no one was ever gonna achieve that with this. But um like th- this is a dumb comparison, but a scene ninety five, that that...
1: James. What the fuck do you want? Good writing. <laughs> I want good writing. Well I want good you know, I, This I like is good that. writing, but we're on the way Wait. to the great writing that this we have in, in the no, golden age of television. And this
2: isn't transitionally good yeah, writing. Yeah. It's bad writing. I'm just gonna. Well, this script was shit on the page, and I think that it works somehow. And I think m- mostly due to an okay concept of bringing Jennifer back and a note perfect performance by Avery Brooks. But I think, I think Iris Stephen Bear's a hack, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and, and, um, yeah. I, I don't know I what think, to say,
1: man. I, I I want viewers for our podcast and the Star Trek people. You know.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he's a great guy, and I'm sure he was a good.
1: Sh- I, I'm just saying, I love showrunner. that fucking purple goatee bit. No. Yeah,
2: I'm sure he was a good showrunner. And I know that no one talks bad about him. He still works with the co-workers from the show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in a, that means he's not a dick. And he's not an asshole. And you never really read anything bad about him from the cast, which can't be said about Rick Berman or Brandon Braga. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. uh Or even Mark Piller I've seen shitty things about. So Really? Yeah. I, don't
1: speak ill of the dead, man.
2: Well, I <laughs> Uh, Roddenberry was dead and people hated him. Well, he was also
1: uh, a rapist, so there yeah. you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Iris Evenberry is probably a great guy. But these, every one of his characters sounds the same. Everything is just exposition. Nobody, there's a way to write exposition from a point of a character and where they're conveying emotion and uh, they sound different than other people <laughs> yeah. and sometimes people talk and they say what they're you know like in a workplace people say what you need to know but they say it in their own voice and that's the way everyone yeah. talks but not in an iris steven bear script where everyone is sort of just like perfunctory like lines they're saying what they needs to be said and it, i almost feel like his scripts need to go through like a Better riser, like where it's not a problem where scenes are just dumb and they need to just chunk whole scenes out but just line by line like, i don't know no. you need, like you, if
1: yeah you, you, you need
2: you, to rewrite this we're through the looking glass line you need to rewrite the how he tells him that they have to get to the transporter line because there is no o'brien in that line and there is no and it's got two cliches in a in one sentence like you're you know prob- like
1: you're you're probably right actually there. My um, counter argument, I don't know if it holds up or not, would be that they crammed so much into this episode. They, and they did. probably they, wrote they did. it for, so pretty fast, too because they're dealing like what like 20
2: What? You guys really felt like there was a lot crammed in this? I I actually do and I know yeah. that that's a that's a critique of that's Iris Stephen Barr's critique of it.
3: I don't feel like there's I feel like there's they're rushing to they get
1: straight arrow. They're rushing to get to every point in here. Like they could do more character stuff in each scene but they're like, "Oh, we have to get to point to point." They go straight to the mirror universe. They don't even show him getting back to the mirror universe. They're just like one thing. Yeah, it feels, does feel to me it like they're does cramming a
2: lot. Thankfully, follow the strongest storyline, which is Cisco acclimating himself and navigating through the situation. Yeah,
1: well, that would
2: like because I mean, it's a, this. This is a big not just the emotional stuff of Cisco, but like he. Really enjoys adapting to this sort of pirate lifestyle. He really does a good, you know. See, like...
1: for me, if there were another scene that we're lacking in this episode, it feels like they don't show him get back, which is thematically fine because they're dealing with him and Jennifer. Yeah. And we know how he gets back. But like the thing that's missing for me is he switches from. He's like Avery Brooks does a great job of being Cisco mm-hmm. and he does a great job of being mirror Cisco. But I don't see where Cisco. Is playing mirror Cisco or learning how to do that?
3: Oh, like there's no learning curve for Cisco to navigate this world. Right.
1: He just switches over. He's never met this guy. He doesn't know anything about no, what he just, mirror universe Cisco is like.
3: Yeah, that's that'd be really tough to cram into. I th- I could see that criticism. Well,
1: well, the, my whole thing, like on the second watch, is like, oh well, they throw in a line where Smiley O'Brien is like, well, I hope I have told you enough, and I feel like maybe if there were an edit cut scene in here. That I would add back in if I had time would be would be Smiley trying to quiz Cisco about how to play Mirror Cisco. Yeah And the scene like, oh no, that's not how he would act. No, he wouldn't do it that way. He'd say everything in a deep line and like this and he'd punch that guy and because you get hints of that every now and then with like like sidling over to the camera and saying, oh, he would punch him right now.
0: Hit him. That's what the captain would do. Go on, hit him. I feel like there's
1: maybe a cut scene where he's, like, coaching him. You do a quick montage of him coaching him how to be mirror But
2: I'm actually, like, I don't think I I realized how valid that critique that you just had was until this rewatch, or going through and rewatching these episodes, because they haven't done that before. But going forward, there is very much a... Ben Sisko has like a ten percent of himself that's like a deep that longs to be an asshole. Yeah.
1: That's what I saw it as and too. And like yeah.
2: like there's the scene there's the episode where they go and they I'm not spoiler alert, they mask themselves up as Klingons for an episode. And he like loves it. Yeah. yeah. He's into <laughs> yeah, he's it. Yeah, he's like he's super, he's into, super it. into it. And so there's these moments where he gets to sort of use this conduit to show a, to be a, a crueler right right more more loose himself like a super villain ben cisco and i think that that be thinking of that because that's a vision i have of the character but that's from later things right, that, right. that seemed like more of that signaling like oh this is no he loves
1: this shit. Right,
2: I, he. I'm gonna say it. I think, I think there's a part of Stone that was waiting to fuck Dax. Right, without baggage. Well,
1: on the second viewing, without baggage, I bought into it more. Like, oh, this is part of Cisco that he just keeps bottled up or whatever. Yeah. But the first time, yeah. I was like, this is a weird switch.
2: But they haven't. You're right. They haven't done any of the heavy lifting for that yet. So it's it it is yeah. jarring.
1: And I get that they're crammed for time. But if I had to, I'd. If we're talking about what would mm-hmm. fix with this episode, I'd have one quick like no this this is what an explanation of this is what our ben cisco is like in the mirror universe and he likes to. and they they do it after the fact or after he's already acting like the guy like oh he just likes to fight and that's what he's good at yeah but show cisco failing it and then it's show smiley saying oh that's too nice our ben would never do that just once you know
2: and Avery Brooks sort of exists in the zeitgeist as sort of like a half shaman, half rep scallion. Yeah. So I think that that plays in this episode. But you're, yeah, I agree. And
1: I thought Dax did a good job as sexy Dax. But it's like, what is this? We're showing Cisco as a badass who fucks everything, <laughs> like,
2: who just outright fucked two cast members. Yeah, with, the show. without
1: any qualms or like hesitation. <laughs> well, that that
2: was
3: weird. That was weird because. That w- that was super weird. I think that... <laughs>
1: here's the thing. I wanted was, to see him was, go back to Deep Space Nine and say, and, like, look at the floor next time he sees Dax or something. Like, oh, my God.
3: Like, shuffling his foot. <laughs> exactly, like one foot, yeah. Side to
1: side, a little nervous. The next
2: like, episode starts with, why are you treating me weird, Commander Cisco? And it's like, <laughs>
1: was like, no reason, no reason. Here, I know what that birthmark on your hip looks like. <laughs>
2: yeah. That thing
1: was
3: filmed in a particular way that if you were a person who lived in denial about what, what was going on... Uh-huh. You could live with it, like, and infer that nothing
1: happened. Yeah, because they're all fully clothed. Right. I know. Kira, especially, To it was probably pretty hard to get the intendant's clothes off, because they're, like, vacuum-sealed on there. <laughs> right. Dax just has, like, like, a wife beater on and some pants. Yeah. But she puts those on back real fast, too, but intended Kira like okay
3: yeah but do you see what I mean though like I think that it was done in a way yeah. for 1995 or whatever
1: oh totally totally that
3: yeah. if you were sensitive to the you know that sort of but if you were paying attention like we were we know exactly what was going on and it's pretty amusing I, I guess yeah yeah
2: yeah. I will say that Avery Brooks was especially. Uh, it's noted on Memory Alpha that Avery Brooks was especially happy that he got the teleplay because they finally let Cisco fuck someone.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, I don't want to get in race stuff, but like, they're mm-hmm. kind of restrained on oh, their they're, black they're, man yeah, here. It's
2: an interracial. This has got an interracial kiss. In it. I
1: know. I know. But yeah. they, well, they don't want to sexualize black man, but in the Mirror universe, it's okay.
2: Yeah. That's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. Like yeah, with the model that because- Kira, like
1: the clearly male model guy looks like one of Madonna's dancers that Kira's puckering <laughs> up does. on. She's like, oh, kiss. like, it was like, OK. And, I'm and- pretty sure he's in the Vogue video. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. But I think that it's because, you know, black male sexuality is not used as stereotypically. And I think, yes, even unfortunately used here. As, yeah, yeah, because um, they're
1: the bad guys, and it's not okay. It's yes. kind of gross. It's really kind of gross. Yes. Yeah, they well, We can't sexualize him until he's in the mirror universe because exactly, a bad
2: guy. exactly because he's. He, he, I mean, and I. Sorry to put it this way, but I think they're. You know, they're working very hard to portray him as as a, as one of the good ones and one of the. You know, and so yeah, and so I think, and all of the loadedness that that goes, and so that means that he can't just fuck girls. He's got to be in relationships with. Middle-aged African-American women. Hey, like, uh, well, let's <laughs> not get into that. Cause... Yes, but th- this episode does play with. It does let him out of that box for this episode, uh, right? Yeah, because yeah. the
1: most well, he doesn't. He doesn't kiss anybody in this episode. Back. That sex is, He doesn't actually kiss her though, does he? Yeah, Sh- he does twice. Okay, because well, it's a shame because the person he actually loves in the whole episode, Jennifer, mm-hmm. gets a chase peck on the cheek at the end of the episode. Yeah, I just like that. That should have been like this is my last chance to make out with my wife. I'm going, I'm going.
2: That was weird.
1: That should have been the most amorous kiss of the whole episode. It should have been like sparks flying all over the place when he finally gets to, you know, his, the you know, Jennifer is his life, his biggest thing. And then mm-hmm. she gives him a peck on the cheek. It's like, come on, that's it. I mean, yeah. It's, I, maybe that's withholding, like, oh, we want more for Cisco, but it was just disappointing for me.
2: And they'd already both had. It's a weird thing. You're saying that they should have like kissed or embraced and like a like an intense kiss or something at the end.
1: I think so. And it's it's, it's I mean, interesting
2: because they are strangers, but they've also both. Yeah, that's how it ends. I mean, she knows that that's not her real husband.
1: She knows it's not her real husband, but he knows that's he's been. Heartbroken. I mean, his, the death of his wife case. is his core of his brain I understand,
3: but that's not his wife. And that's like the lesson learned is that we aren't really the two people from each other's universes.
1: Yeah. And that while it. Yeah. And that's kind of the heartbreaking thing when he's like, take me away, Smiley. Take me home. I
2: think you got the right. I think you're right logically. But I think that you could have probably gotten some more like some more pathos out of having. Yeah. Them. If
1: you are, if you are just going to do the peck on the cheek have it break his heart more. Yeah. I mean, you see you see a little bit of that yeah. from Avery Brooks' is just acting in this, which is pretty good. Yeah, you're right. But you should see, it should be like either he makes out with her and she doesn't understand it because she's not his Cisco. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm not your wife. And then that breaks his heart. Or he thinks he's going to get that. And then she just gives him a peck on the cheek and he's like, "You're," and then you see the realization dawn that it's not his wife. Like, if that had been played hard, that would have been like one of the... I'm getting I'm getting worked up just thinking about seeing that in a like modern television kind of moment.
2: I agree. I, I think did they accidentally make an emotionally interesting episode and it's like they didn't know <laughs> it? Okay.
3: That <laughs> might be the case. They, <laughs> I fully believe that that they thought this was an interesting concept because of, like what would happen? Yeah. But what their question is like, "Hey, I wonder what would happen if Cisco got to see a different version of his wife, but they didn't calculate on the results of that encounter being like, emotional. I think yeah, that yeah. they're interested in like an academic way about. God, it.
2: Yeah, that's the yeah. And so they accidentally
3: made an emotionally packed episode.
1: Yeah,
2: th- and it doesn't have to be a. It doesn't have to be a soap opera, but like yeah, like you gotta like, and I, I mean, don't it, want it. Modern, it's shot like but a it, soap opera, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty smoky, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It was. I think they just accidentally did it. And I'm in my my mind now. I'm thinking they probably locked a, a action script with the wrench of it having Jennifer in it, and then like he gets to the set and Brooks is like, Brooks is like, <sighs> no,
1: we need to. I think unpack this. Well, I think they probably thought they were doing it, but again, they're making. I think the just standards were different in 1995,
2: and I agree. so I, I, they they didn't have an elevated mindset about. Yeah, they weren't some making this, this work,
1: for yeah. HBO, and they weren't trying to make it a high drama. I mean, it's mm-hmm. they're trying to be dramatic about it. They're not fucking around. They're not just phoning it in. But they mm-hmm. they knew what they they're making this certain kind of show.
2: But here's what I'll say: by by season seven, this episode would be about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they well, they write season six and seven is are written in emotional languages. Right.
3: Well, that's when they figure out that that's when yes, the, yes. The, the, everything takes off. Yeah,
1: and you know, mm-hmm. and but you know, television is also changing at that point. Like by 97, 98, The Sopranos is starting to come around right yeah when did that 99 did. yeah but you know yeah. the well, the industry yeah, is there.
2: there was Oz and there was interesting shows
1: so yeah the industry good. is changing and it's kind of i don't i i give them props for what they're doing here
2: yeah they're pushing uh, it forward and yeah, they yeah. they just feel like that some of the you know they still got the funk of the old way right, and right. This, yeah and, yeah. Then this episode and I, that's just my really problem
3: good. the funk of the old way is is my problem overall mm-hmm. with beholden to these old star trek tropes yeah. like i was disappointed that they went to the mirror universe at all <laughs> and right when yeah. we covered the first time the fact that they went back a second time almost like should gull me to the point
2: <laughs> well not only that but it's now a new obligation where each season there's going to be the mirror
1: universe right. episode yeah, yeah. wait a
2: minute I know that they went several
3: times. Oh, just but I think don't please don't that. tell me we're in for five more of these episodes.
1: <laughs> Hold on to your butts. There are <laughs> like, three, we uh, have
2: four more seasons. There's three more mirror episodes. Oh so, my okay. god! Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. but I think I think if they go this route of like, oh, let's deal with emotional things with these characters that we haven't dealt with on the show. I think that's a fine way to. Take a one off Um, episode and
2: I don't remember. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure our fans know exactly where they go, and I don't remember.
1: I'm just, (laughs) hey, I'm I'm not speaking about any with any foreknowledge. I'm just saying it would be nice if they did that. (laughs) Uh, But, anyways, yeah, we should wrap it up. Anyways, uh, Jennifer Sisko is developing a weapon or a trans spectral scanner to find the rebel base in the Badlands. They need to rescue her, or the rebels are going to kill her. They go and rescue her. Rom is central to the plot because he's... <laughs> it's
2: gloriously d- double-agent. Yeah, because
1: he's <laughs> mad about his brother because Quark got killed in the first Mirror episode. So did Odo, but nobody cares. They brought other overseers into the ore processing. Anyways, shenanigans is Sue. They get it trapped. They rescue Jennifer Sisko, and, and there's a pirate, Bashir, which...
2: Look, I don't even know why we're bothering to discuss
1: this. James wasn't fond of his acting. That's... That's fine. Oh Bashir's, it wasn't the best.
2: Bashir's, I I don't want to. I've made it. I've made whole podcasts. Yeah, we don't. We don't have
1: time. We we don't have time to spend twenty minutes (laughs) talking about that. Um, He was. He was.
2: It wasn't good. (laughs) It wasn't good.
1: (laughs) Take (laughs) it's okay. Take take take. He's uh, he's chewing some scenery. Yeah.
2: Yes. He needs to go back and find his swing. Maybe. I mean, I I feel like he's getting worse. But but,
1: oh oh, we didn't. But two in this. Tuvok. Tuvok's in this. That's helpful. From Voyager. Tuvok has... Don't
3: you wish he could go back (laughs) with... ill (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it would be love... Tuvok's fine, but he's just like, yes. You
3: realize it is highly unlikely.
1: I'm a Klingon and... Vulcan. Vulcan. I mean, mean, I'm I'm Vulcan. I'm a Vulcan. You guys are fucking up our... Sorry.
3: Our our, (laughs) our Star Trek read tonight, guys. I'm
1: going to cut that out. I'm cutting that out. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, it was nice to see Tuvok... This is bef- This is after Voyager aired, or before? I think it's this after it just
3: started. Just started, okay. so people right. know that it's like a neat Easter egg. I think. Yeah, yeah. Ed Berman forced it on the cast. Okay, fine. Like, really? Yeah. That's an interesting thing to force on somebody.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't do anything. He's kind of. Uh,
3: he actually delivers some lines and makes you not cringe in those those scenes.
1: <laughs> he doesn't make me. Yeah, Tim Russ is. He he does his work, but he's not like amazing. Wow. He's an emotional Tim, R- Tim in. Russ
2: is better than half of the cast of DC. Yes, <laughs> you know, fair enough.
3: <laughs> do you guys want to talk about the rating and wrap this th- this thing up, or do you have any
1: final? Oh yeah, uh, um. You want so we generally like this episode though. Huh? Yeah, I'm glad.
2: Yeah, this episode's doing stuff. I like it. It wasn't spinning its wheels. It wasn't dumb. Yeah, they didn't try to do too much and fail. I mean. This was
3: dumb, but if you're going to be this dumb, you might as well do something with it.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. I had, I had some technical things like when they go, when Kira and Garrick, we didn't talk about Garrick at all. He's fine, yeah. whatever. Yeah. They go to the ore processing. I don't, Some of the ADR in this episode. Was it just me? <laughs> I noticed that. It was that. bad. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, but that's a technical thing. I could just say the ADR was not always great, and you watch the episode, you know what I'm talking about.
2: The whole episode kind of looked like a mess because it was red-gelled and smoky, and it yeah, was kind of yeah. like, meh. on a non-HD camera, it just yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't work. That word yeah.
1: processing thing and the ADR is like, talk, 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 pause. Here's more exposition about this, the... Uh, pause. Nah, it was bad. Anyways, yeah, let's get to the rating.
2: <laughs> I think... S- Seven
1: point eight. I'm gonna shitty prices right you and say seven point nine. <laughs>
3: yeah. Six hundred and fifteen people voted, and it's a seven point five. Whoa. it's, it's oh. both lower than we think. And uh, our good old buddy Plankton rules. Plankton
2: okay. rules. Yeah, I, got, I got to hear with Plankton they have rules
3: to say. wrote like a two and a half paragraph review on IMDb. And if you are a follower of our podcast, you know that Plankton rules is sort of the phantom. Uh, fourth <laughs> member of, of the rules of acquisition, <laughs> whether he or she likes it or not. Um, this review was written on December 24th, 2014, and it's uh, it gives it six. So, out- this
2: isn't a past interest, I mean, it may be, but it's not Plankton Rules was, was doing their work pretty recently, right? Yeah, it's right. not
1: from 2006,
2: right? Yeah, no, this is uh, six out of 10 stars. It
3: says the the oh. <laughs> the uh, the title of of this person's review is decent, but perhaps they should stop doing these sorts of episodes. (laughs) (laughs) The last sentence in the review is, apart from the lack of originality, the show also suffers from improbability resolution that comes too easily. Not great, but at least it's fun watching the hornier and deadlier Major Kira. So (laughs) Plankton Rules is here for for the intended, so...
2: All right. gotta to, got to take a got to take. We've been waffling on the the gender uh, and rolls, I
1: think. Oh yeah, we don't. Think yeah, well, I, oh, you're saying it's time
3: to
2: come down on a uh, on
3: a I
1: verdict. Mean, I think, I I know, it, I'm just saying that. I we, think it's a dude.
2: I think we got a little bit more indication of. Um, the yeah, odds. I will, the odds are yes, just yeah, from a pure I mathematical standpoint i think he's wrong about the ending i thought the ending was clever and it was I, also yeah, a callback I, to civil defense I, I think that we don't have a problem with ending oh as, i did like uh, the call back
1: mm-hmm. to civil defense i'm sorry that was the other thing yeah. it's like oh he know, yeah oh my god there you Things go that's talk about like our uh, you know modern television
2: he learned something in an episode before yeah, yeah. that
1: yeah, yeah i know that, that blew what me are we away. talking about like,
2: oh. civil
3: defense the yeah he learned
1: he he knows the codes to set up the uh the self-destruct sequence. Oh,
2: he learned that in civil defense? Uh, yeah.
1: Arguably. You yeah, yeah. don't think
3: yeah. he yeah, just knew all... that on the first day of the job?
2: No. No, because he was taken awareness by the weird uh, stuff, and they had to, to root it out. He had to learn about it in a way oh. that... Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's like, take me, oh,
1: take us back to ore processing. I know a thing.
2: That's why... Oh,
4: yep.
3: that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is much better. Oh. Yeah.
1: I'm glad we remembered that. I would be... I would be very bummed if we forgot to bring that I up. I just
3: took that for granted that like, oh, this is like a plot device thing. No. Oh man. That makes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it better, right? That does make it better. Well, I'll be damned. See, that's the kind of cool shit you could do when you go to a mirror universe. Like I, my problem with the mirror universe is that they don't utilize stuff like that.
1: Mm. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, he he does say at one point, like, I hope this was built by the same Kardashians that built my station. And I understood. And like, I just thought that uh, was just like
3: a general built-in story sentiment, mm-hmm. you know, that you that he wanted that just a you know so his plan would work to advance the plot. I didn't realize it was the civil defense. I know now. I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, all right. yeah. Well um all right so should we answer some voicemail and mail this week
1: I'm glad that we got to an episode that y'all liked cuz we were on a, I know that we were in a rough spot w- and I it know it was a that we were shaking your we, we were shaking your core yeah yes <laughs> like if you <laughs> wanted to do this podcast anymore <laughs> if you had any joy left in your yeah, life
2: i wasn't sure where i it stood was, on it was because our our theme was seemed to be shifting to like shitting on it <laughs> yeah the ne- just just real quick the next two episodes are uh i guess they were filmed in between but there's a two-parter about Cardassians um making the play oh, okay all right. Uh, the probable a big...
3: cause and the dies cast.
2: Yeah. Okay. Making a very big play. So it's a big two parter. Garrick heavy episodes. Yeah. It's, I think, is this the one with the very famous scene between Odo and Garrick? I think so. One of the two, one of the two parters. It's somewhere in there. And three weeks from now is an episode I remember loving a lot. Let's see if I still do, <laughs> which is the one where Cisco has to build a ship of. Oh,
1: explorers. Like,
2: yeah that's so yeah. so we'll see oh man all yeah. right well Did i haven't know? had good luck on calling forth episodes i remember liking
1: <laughs> right oh, you loved equilibrium right <laughs> and Anyways. then
2: finding out that i uh, there's some halcyon sort of vision i don't know hopefully we'll this is one of those. we'll
1: see in three weeks from now yes but uh beforehand. it's also
2: the first uh that is the first goatee episode
1: oh shit so,
2: yeah. Damn. So okay. Cisco, go, go, Cisco is about, about upon us.
1: All right. Okay.
2: All right. Well, it's time to right. go to the voicemails. Let's get on to these. All right. Yeah. Let's do it.
3: You better go.
0: Take me home, smiley.
1: Oh hey everybody, this is a priority transmission and we've just got some stuff in. We just heard another Mirror episode where Cisco fucks everybody, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about voicemails from other stuff that we've gotten. I think last week we were listening to distant voices. So we've got a voicemail here from Eric from Pennsylvania, our friend that has trouble uh you know lasting through a phone
2: Look guys a lot of people have that problem okay let's well, not single oh, I'm
1: not I'm not trying to shame the guy
2: It happens it happens to everyone yeah, yeah. sometimes a phone call it just you get it over with faster than you think I hate bill. talking on the And f- it's unsatisfying for everybody but I mean I
1: hate talking on the phone I just want to get it over with as soon as possible yeah, you
2: know. I know but sometimes you need to think about the person on the other end of the phone <laughs> I'm
1: trying to keep I think them. I will I think Eric was trying to something I like when they keep it short personally uh, I think that's being respectful to
2: Yeah yeah I was trying to do a thing with uh, I was trying to do a thing with uh, Oh I I, I
1: I I got what you're doing <laughs> okay. I'm just saying okay.
3: jokes always work best when you explain them afterward
1: <laughs>
2: I don't
1: know. He wasn't.
2: He wasn't. No, I'm. He wasn't. Yes, oh, no, me. no, I was. I was trying to me, say oh, that
1: sometimes, you know, a long uh, session can just be tiring, and you'd just rather get it over with fast. So
2: yes, sometimes. Sometimes you just want to know the person that's calling you had a good time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. It's sometimes I'm. You know. Sometimes I'm enjoying it or a lot at the beginning, and then just like it's just not as. You know, diminishing returns. Long day. A lot of things on yeah, your I mind.
2: Am. Sometimes you just want to go to bed. Yep.
1: But um. Oh. Maybe we should just listen to this. He didn't use the phone this time because, well, I think he'll get into it in the the voicemail here.
4: Hey there, gentlemen. It's Eric from Pennsylvania. Decided to take a stab at recording an audio file rather than using the voicemail because it seems like that robot that you have running your voicemail line, who I will refer to as the Potty Mouth 5000, just doesn't like me and hangs (laughs) up on me, which is rude.
2: He is a bitch. In any
4: case, I just wanted to get your thoughts on something that popped into my head when I was watching the Destiny episode, but I think also dovetails with uh, what you were saying about tracing the lineage of Ronald D. Moore from Deep Space Nine through Battlestar Galactica and that sort of path to modern television narrative structures Uh, Which is that as much as I love both Deep Space Nine and Battlestar Galactica, uh, both shows at times suffer from an unfortunate tendency to use the concepts of destiny and fate and prophecy and quasi-mystical spirituality as like a blunt instrument to move the plot in directions that don't really come from the characters or their motivations. Uh, which always seemed like a sort of heavy-handed way for a writer to say, hey, I want to get over there, but it doesn't make sense for this character to go over there. So they were destined to go over there. Oh, no, destiny. Destiny. So, because Ronald D. Moore was the most prominent sort of common thread between those two shows, I always just blamed him and said, you know what, maybe this Ronald D. Moore fellow has this raging but clumsy boner for prophecy, and that's just how he writes, and that's just his flaw as a writer. So maybe that's more of a thread to follow over the next few seasons as Ronald D. Moore becomes more of the central showrunner, and as the show itself takes more frequent forays into that clumsy prophecy boner territory uh but in the meantime i'm just wondering if that's something that any of you guys noticed uh, if you think i'm blaming more unfairly or if you think that is his influence on both of those shows in the meantime i look forward to hearing you guys thoughts on the next few episodes i can't wait to hear what you have to say about distant voices this alexander Siddig heavy episode personally i think it's Fascinating that the this particular combination of writing and acting and directing can give us an episode where, by the end of it, Bashir is charming and adorable, and in the middle of it, René Auberginois somehow manages to be borderline unwatchable, which I think this is the only episode that I would say that happens in. Uh, I just think ugh, it's a weird one, uh, but I can't wait to hear you guys tear it apart or love it. Who knows? Uh, anyway, move along home. May the prophets guide do All that good stuff.
1: You guys have a good one. Okay, I
3: think
4: <laughs> I
1: think we all know by now, don't we?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So Eric is talking about destiny as a plot device, basically, and that's uh, what yeah. irritates him about the show. But and before
1: it, we get to that, I just want to say the robot voice has a name. It's Richard Picardo. I think we've set that up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we established right.
2: As long as he accepts that name, we don't know <laughs> yeah, if right, right. it's like. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: so like I was saying, I think that maybe what he's pointing out is a pretty common trope in fantasy and sci-fi of, of destiny being a, a driving factor in plot.
2: Yeah. It's always, I don't like it. I don't I, like I, it either.
3: I, and I don't think, even, you know, Eric obviously doesn't like it. I think that an interesting case where it might work is Game of Thrones. Because there's prophecy that has to be fulfilled, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: but I also feel that, I almost feel like that very, the people that are following their prophecies, though, are the
1: dumbasses. Like, uh, the fuck? Yeah. What's his name?
2: George. uh, Stannis.
1: Stannis. Well, well, for fantasy, what makes Game of Thrones good is that those prophecies exist, but it kind of flips the genre expectations from Tolkien you know uh, usually it's the, it's the Joseph Campbell one the, yeah chosen it. one to save us and it, by destiny and that's what it is you know and that's that's kind of tiresome and Game of Thrones I think kind of turns that on its head while still having it or it tries to
2: yeah and I I like there's a thing there's a brief moment in Battlestar Galactica where they they set up the, that it's going to be a prophecy-based plot at
1: the
2: end of the first season. We're going to Earth. And then they have a scene where someone goes, Earth? And then he goes, yeah, it's bullshit. (laughs) And I I like that about it. And then by the end of it, they're hearing uh, all along the Watchtower in their heads, and it's kind of like this is a little little silly.
1: Right. And it's more of a hard cliche for fantasy than it is sci-fi, but just, I think, with those genre conventions kind of get, especially later since... There's less distinction between hard and soft sci fi nowadays than there was like in the 80s, I feel like. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I think that also I, I just tend to gravitate more to stories where religion is a conceit of the people of the book, not a conceit of the book. You know, that like you, can, I, I like religion in books, but I like it to be like the thing that the people believe in, not a thing that exists. Not, not like
1: <laughs> you don't like DD gods coming in and uh, and uh, sure i really don't like I, I hate, no, I don't i'm know. not i don't mean hey i i won't take it as a criticism i, know, I know i'm familiar enough <laughs> but,
2: i hate almost all i hate almost all divine interventions and this story does it better than most because you actually have a plausible explanation for them yeah. uh, i will say that i like uh, do we blame it all i mean on... i like i like damon lindelof's leftover so much oh, yeah. that if it ends with a religious thing it wouldn't bother me i've given up i've given myself to that but it bothers me in Lost that there's so much goofy religion shit. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to like, I mean, you know, it, a good story is a good story. You can make anything a good story. Is it more yeah.
1: out of place in a science fiction show like Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica? Well, Battlestar's kind of, I think, it, well, but is it more out of place in that than, say, Game of Thrones or something else?
2: Well, I don't believe that there actually are gods in Game of Thrones, so it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think the religion at this point stays a conceit of the people as opposed to a conceit of the no, story. No, but there
1: is supernatural magic and Yeah, shit. but
2: that could be I mean that you're right there's supernatural magic but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gives a fuck. Yeah, we don't we don't
3: know just a, we we won't know until the story's over whether or not how important the, the gods are. Is the, the is the magic
2: just a different level of physical? Is it <laughs> world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are dragons just uh, animals? You it's know, it's just an and,
1: accepted part of the thing. But yeah, I, yeah.
2: I get what Eric is saying,
3: and and I don't know how much Ronald D. Moore is exactly to blame for for a lot of that
2: in the two shows. Mm-hmm. Well, but it isn't interesting to look out I, for.
1: I'd say it's all... He was of, in total
2: control of... He was in Battlestar, total control it's of all his fault.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. or if, even if it's not his fault, it's all... The blame all falls on him. He's the showrunner.
2: You know. I, everybody I know loves Battlestar Galactica. I don't know anybody that watched Caprica. Yeah, me neither. Le- listeners? Like, okay. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, someone would call it adults that Caprica was good. Right. But, you know, sometimes uh,
1: the
3: Zeitgeist is just realize that they've had enough.
1: Yeah.
2: That was exactly, I think everybody, yes.
3: I mean, if you look at the Friends phenomenon and <laughs> the then Joey like show. Joey afterwards, I think Caprica was, yeah. everybody's just like, nah, no, we're good. It played out. Yeah. We're, we're fine.
1: I don't hear a lot <laughs> yeah. of people saying how bad Caprica was. They're just like, oh, yeah. I'd, i just didn't watch it i had yeah, but
2: it, it wasn't like firefly where I, would, I ever i talk about firefly all the time but i don't love it as much as i act like i do but uh I, I like it's not like firefly where everybody was like no we want a lot more and never got it this is like this was fine we're 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 good you know and <laughs> we good. we good and i have a feeling that that will be exactly like the inevitable game of thrones spinoff will inevitably suffer from that mm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and if it sucks, if it does, if it does suck, it'll have K- Taylor Kitchen, in it. I bet you. Yeah, well, it won't be
1: D and D doing it. They're probably so sick of doing the show by now. No, yeah, they all right.
3: Think. What do you got for us next?
1: Oh, and then he also talked about distant voices. I feel like there's... something. Oh, yeah, yes.
3: Well, I don't want to go over that, because we that's a whole can of worms that we dedicate a whole... Yeah, well, I just... Eric, think we'll get there. I think Slow it's your roll. <laughs> don't be in such a
2: rush.
1: <laughs> Funny how much our <laughs> listeners look forward to us enjoying things that I end up liking, but y'all... Well, spoilers for that yeah. episode. Well,
2: they've already listened to it. Oh, that's right. That's- yeah, I'm going to just say that I'm going to make a personal effort, and I think I have in the episodes we already have in the can... I'm gonna make a personal effort to back off Bashir. I'm not changing my opinion. I just I'll talk about other things for a little while until it gets uh, right. until the fourth and season. You know, I ain't gonna make any
1: promises. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> if I break that promise, it's because because I already did it. It's because I've already said it. But I I, I get in listening to the podcast as they air. It was a lot of shitting. Right. We shit on Bashir a lot in 2017.
1: You, you certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this thing from Franklin and Jax, and then we can... Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, this guy. All right. Distant Voices. I was thinking of doing a rewatch, but let's just be honest. This episode just sucks. It's long. It's boring. It doesn't move anything along home, But it may help explain Julian Bashir slash Alexander Siddiquk. Maybe. Charisma was mentioned a lot in the discussion of the episode. I've used it before in previous emails, but what is it? I may be a charismatic guy, but I'm not an actor. Alexander Sadiq may be an actor with no charisma. As mentioned, William Shatner is charismatic without any realism. David Spader is charismatic as hell and does some acting as hell. I'd
2: agree with that. David Spader would be great in Star Trek. (laughs) I'd
1: love it. (laughs) When I say I'm charismatic, I mean I can be charming, likable, charming, common, likable in descendants. What does it mean when we say actors are charismatic, though? I'm assuming it means the actor makes the role interesting, which brings me to my point distant voices. I think proves the writers are terrible at making the character of Julian Bashir interesting. Alexander Siddig doesn't have the ability to add to what's not there to make the character interesting. That's what Avery Brooks does well. His acting isn't much better at times, but he's watchable. I'd like to hear what you guys think on acting versus charisma versus interesting writing and how DS9 is balancing these or not. So. Are you guys ready to give our holistic thesis on what is good acting or not?
3: Well, the, uh, here's the thing. I think that my my chief complaint with the, the show thus far is that the writers don't know how to play to everybody's strengths. And I think I've said that, and I'll continue to say that until it gets better. Yeah, I think that, actually, Sadiq, he does a few things really well. Like, whenever he's nice and affable, he has got a quality to him. He's pretty good at being caring, although sometimes... A little bit like you know past tense. He was a little bit too caring, in it. It like it looked like it hurt his brain
1: <laughs> to deliver his lines.
3: No, here's the thing. All right, God damn it! I mentioned past tense. <laughs> Where'd he be done? My my thing is is I think that I don't hold the actors as responsible like the writers have to play the hand they're dealt these are the actors that you have to play with you need to write to their strengths
1: and not their weaknesses <laughs> dance with the one that brought you huh? yeah that's
2: mm. that's how i yeah. feel
1: i think they're trying
2: i mean that's a writer's room's job so i mean like that's just their i think job. they're
1: struggling and they're trying to and they want to and when you read interviews with all the people involved they say oh once we figured out how to write to the actor it got a lot better yeah Yes, we might or some of us might disagree on when it got better compared to when the writers think that it got better. Probably.
2: I mean, because
1: I, I, they all love past tense. The general,
2: writers I, in general, like I think that you can tell and I think this is a problem with I mean, it's the same. We, we're, these are names are great. These names are famous. These are the best writers for the show. Historically, you know, these writers stay with and they they're the ones that build the rest of the show. But it is a little, like, it's the same names or a no-name that comes up every week. And they got some real blind spots and limitations. And a lot of that is that they just not, I mean, I think that Ira Stephen Bear has a lot of bad ideas. And I think the other writers have a lot of, like, really bored-down ideas. Like, I think that Ronald D. Norm Moore knows how to shape a story. But I think that he doesn't, he can't do everything. And so I think they just generally need some, and I mean this in every definition of the word, they need more diversity in the writer's room. They need just more voices, period. And yes, if those voices weren't all 20-something-year-old white men or 30-something-year-old white men, that would be better. But they just need more voices. And so when it comes to episodes that they clearly don't give a fuck about, they don't write well. And, uh, and and I think that if they' are episodes that they do care about sometimes then they care too much about them and kind of overwrite them, like uh past tense mm-hmm. <laughs> or or just don't care so I, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, the writing is the problem i mean I, I I generally I tend to kind of be a script absolutist. I think if a TV show's not working, it's always the writing's fault, yep, yeah, I mean, everybody can do acting better, you know, you can cast people better or not. But once the decisions are made, a good writer can probably make a good role out of anybody. Yeah. If you just know how to write to them and know what is. You're
1: do. right. I mean, I think it's possible. A bad director can ruin a good script.
2: But, but, even, but on a But I don't think
1: that's what happens here. Yeah. But, yeah, that's mean, not That's not even really germane to the discussion of Deep Space Nine, I don't think. Yeah. Because we have boring directors, but it's the same baseline of boring TV directors that... They're not fucking it up, the script.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not bringing anything new, but they're not... Yeah.
1: Nobody's doing natural-born killers to Star Trek here. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yeah. I hate that movie. That
2: movie's uh, gotten a second look by a lot of people.
1: I know. That, uh, too like... bad they're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, um, <laughs> I'm generally not a, uh, a yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm Oliver not,
1: Stone. I'm not yeah. down
2: with it. Yeah.
3: I don't think we're a pro-Oliver Stone podcast. <laughs> no. we're
2: not. We're really not. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of movies I like of Oliver Stone, because I hate... JFK more. Yeah. I do love like,
1: that he co-wrote Conan the Barbarian, so I can't... He did,
2: he did. He had a minimal amount, but he did He did
1: write it. Yeah. Um,
2: he also wrote... I mean, I like Midnight Express, which he wrote, too. I, I think mean, that's he, really He's
1: good done... Too. Not everything yes. he's done is awful. But, yes. yes. He didn't do but, Star Trek or Deep Space Nine or that much TV, so maybe we shouldn't talk about them. He
2: did have a show in the 90s called something Palms.
1: 21 Palms? Oh, uh, Wild Palms? No, that's his...
2: Wild Palms or something like that.
1: Yeah. And, uh, or, or is yeah. that a Faulkner novel? It's one
2: of the two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that, too. I was thinking,
2: I was like, is that a Faulkner? I think there's a Faulkner novel called Something Falls. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's about the great flood in Mississippi. Oh, <laughs> who cares? It's a Faulkner novel. Uh, do you like mm-hmm. it? I mean, Faulkner's great, but... <laughs> I don't like them all,
2: but I like most Faulkner.
1: <laughs> the, yeah, that it was like a post-Twin Peaks kind of, I thought as a kid that it was going to be like a weird trippy twin piece kind of show. And it just wasn't that great. I, yes. think.
2: I don't remember shit about it.
1: Yeah. I, I remember being excited for it. And then just apparently it just didn't meet any of my expectations and nobody remembers it these days. So there you go. All right. So I, anything else to say about acting from Franklin? That wasn't, no. that was a good email. You're all right, Franklin. Yeah, you're all right, kid. All right. All right. Well, uh, do you want to give
3: us the phone number and the email address for anybody who is listening and would like to
1: call in? Oh, yes. Yeah. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. If you're in the U.S. and don't have to pay long-distance fees or something, give us a call at 917-408-3898. If... If you can't get a call without getting hung up on by uh, Richard Picardo or the robot voice dick, whatever you can, or if you're robot dicks, yeah, robot robo dick, oh, that's a whole. Di- <laughs>
2: if you're getting that's by a whole robot different
1: dicks. thing. But yeah, if if you've got robo dicks coming at you every which way, and you ugh, never mind. Yeah, if for whatever reason, if you want to leave us a. Uh, mp4 or something try to keep it under three minutes just to just to be nice you can reach us at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com you can send us an email that way and if you we will read your email that way Uh, you can send us notes if you don't want us to read or do anything just just go ahead and say that you don't want it on the podcast at all and we'll read also
3: it. we would like for you guys if it, it is all at all possible to leave us a review on iTunes that would really help yeah. out the podcast
2: yeah we're we're really whores for self control. well it's just like key, for our key to our survival in the marketplace no, no yeah yeah yeah, we, yes. yeah yeah we do we're, we're trying to get our. Yeah, get our tell your out. friends I, I, and you letter there. carrier yeah, everybody's got a letter we're carrier we're trying to get enough people to know us even if you don't have yeah. friends <laughs>
1: right that's that's, yeah. that's that's how we're different from those other podcasts do we want right. Your mailman, don't listen to us.
2: Yeah. It's good luck like, trying to get the headphones out of my mailman's ears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're already listening, but they... Uh, if you're
1: a mailman, true. if you could just leave flyers in everybody's mailbox. Or
3: letter carrier, non-gender specific. If you're a
1: mailman, send us an email. We'll print some stuff up to send it to you, and then you can just put it on your route.
3: You know what? If you, if you give us a, a, a nice review on iTunes, we'll probably read it, and we'll probably like start reading names on the air, right? Maybe saying thank it's you. Possible. We did yeah. that before.
2: Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah cool. So yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. cinemas.
1: But I think I'm gonna latch onto your mailman thing, and if you are a mailman I will send you junk Mutes. mail to put in people's mailboxes. Uh, yeah, we can, <laughs> I <won't, I'll, laughs> We can do a whole
2: campaign. I don't know if that's
1: a felony or or a federal crime if your mailman's putting it in for us. It's, I
2: don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know, know either.
1: If you're a mailman, let us know.
2: I think that's probably some sort of rule against that or every mailman. <laughs> every mailman I've gotten so many, would,
1: uh, <laughs> like my mailman's local gigs, <laughs> yes, my, my mailman's rap mixtapes. <laughs> <laughs> His Dave Matthews cover band I have never made it to.
2: I <laughs> would be very surprised if my mailman's in Dave Matthews
1: Yeah, cover well yeah. My my mailman <laughs> yes. here in Brooklyn isn't in a Dave Matthews cover band. Yeah.
2: Alright, yeah. well,
1: <laughs> okay. if
3: that's it this week, thanks for listening to the rules of acquisition. Three to beam
2: out.
0: Alright. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their earholes holes. They will play them on air, and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that, James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.